0: beyond ideas of wrongdoing and right doing there is a field I'll meet you there when the soul lies down in that grass the world is too full to talk about ideas language even the phrase each other doesn't make sense hi everyone today I speak with my brand spanking new friend Volker after I wrote this I wonder if it's rude to call a person spanking anyway um, if it is, I did not mean it to be rude. <laughs> Volker is another healer whom I initially connected with on Insight Timer. From there, we used social media to connect further. Volker truly went on a spiritual journey, and I am happy and grateful that he has agreed to share it with Meet me in the field. Volker is a transformation facilitator and founder of Wild at Heart. You can find him at www.wildatheart.co.za specifically look at his retreats and ceremonies that he does. This podcast is supported by The First Layer, the 12-step workbook on working through the 12 steps in any addiction in 21 sessions. There's also a 24-day step coaching and counseling program available based on The First Layer. For more information in this regard, go to www.freddy.org.za and click through from the notices at the right of the homepage. This is Volker's spiritual journey. Sit back and enjoy. Good afternoon, Volker. Welcome to Meet Me in the Field. How are you doing? Thank you for
1: having me. I'm doing great. Thank you. (laughs) Nice meeting you. Yes, finally. (laughs) (laughs) I love
0: these situations where I meet people for the first time where we sit in front of a microphone. (laughs) So, So, can you remember how we met? Was it, well, we've never
1: met, but was it on on Facebook was it on? I know that we are connected on Inside Timer. I, I okay, believe. that might
0: be Inside Timer. And
1: then somehow you got onto my mailing list. I don't even know how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> and then we connected via Facebook.
0: Yeah, I um, think it was Inside Timer. It could have been. Where the initial contact happened. Yeah. So you, my second interview from Inside Timer, and wow. the other one was um, Makati, the Pilgrim in Hills. Yes, I'm connected to her as well. Yeah, Yeah. so so she's a podcast on on here called The Pilgrim in Hills. What an amazing woman. Fascinating. So yeah, she was exactly the same situation. Kind of, okay, I want to do a podcast interview with you, walked into a house, complete stranger, and sat down and had the most amazing chat. Hmm. So I I hope this can be the same for us. So the reason why I started cyber stalking you (laughs) <laughs> because that's ultimately then how I got now to your face. Now comes out. Was <laughs> <laughs> well, When I have eventually found you, I saw that you're a healer. And obviously the minute I see that, then I'm all attention. And you do, the one thing that I'm really interested in that you do is Family Constellation. Mm-hmm. But I also saw that you do various ceremonies. Mm-hmm us there <laughs> no wait before you take us there uh, remind me because i, I get excited and I, and I get sidetracked let's start with your surname mm. it's german austrian german german schlettwein schlettwein yes. is that the
1: pronunciation
0: okay and are you how many generation generation south african
1: great grandfather moved down from germany okay. to swakapmund Oh my god, okay. in, in the old southwest Africa. Awesome. That was as part of the military, and he started a station in Swakopmund, and then he received a piece of land from the government, which then became our family farm called Ochetumbi. Oh, wow. Which is now owned by one of my uncles. Okay. Yeah. So it's still in the family. It's still in the family. Oh, and Swakop um,
0: is such an awesome place. I yeah, love it. It's I'm, I
1: myself was born in Windhoek. Okay. So. Um, we, we came from Namibia, but I moved to Cape Town when I was eight years old. Okay, Still have a lot of family there. My uncle is actually the Minister of Finance, one of my other uncles, oh, wow. for the Namibian government. There's a street in Winter called Schleppweinstraße, which is named after my great-grandfather. Good grief. So you've definitely left your mark. The, well, I'm, I'm <laughs> still leaving mine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, hopefully in Cape Town will yeah. we'll one day have a hospital or something <laughs> na- named after you, or, or uh, a... Um, A spiritual retreat or or something like that. So, eight years old, you moved to Cape Town or to South Africa? To Cape Town. To Cape Town. Yes. Okay. And did you grow up with a sense of religion or spirituality or or what's that
1: background? Yes. Very much religious to begin with. My, My early life experience really paved the path for for me as, as a healer, and, and really inspired me to do the work that I do today. My first major trauma was experienced when I was eight years old. I lost my father to a landmine explosion. In Namibia? In Namibia, which is what basically resulted in us eventually moving to Cape Town.
0: Oh my word, and yeah. was that the result from the South African conflict in
1: Angola? It, was, it was exactly that. 1980 oh my, word. Uh, my father was not in the military. He had his own construction company. And one particular day, he was traveling up towards Opuvu, which is uh, one of the smaller towns in Namibia up up north. And he was traveling on quite a treacherous road, escorted by an army convoy. But something happened on the road, and he ended up hitting a landmine. Oh, no. And um, him, his business partner, and pretty much the entire crew were were killed in that Oh, my God, that's terrible. Yeah. And the reason I mention that is because at the age of eight, the way I interpreted the experience had numerous impact on me. At firstly, at some level, I blamed myself for what happened. So I carried a lot of, not only regret, but there was this deep, almost like an unconscious self-loathing where I I had done something terribly wrong. And also what was revealed to me later in life is it wasn't quite a, a hypnotheric process, but it was through one of the teacher plans to ayahuasca, actually. Okay. To an ayahuasca journey, I was taken back to, to that very evening. And I was shown that I had intuited his death. And I had a conversation with my brothers. We were sitting in the bathtub, the three of us, myself and, and my two older brothers. And I started the conversation about what if something happens to dad and what if he's in an accident? And then later that evening, we were told that he had, oh, he had been in, in an accident. And what happened for me in that moment was I, I shut down my emotions. I shut down my intuition, which, which only delivers bad news and can't be trusted. So at the age of eight, I, I as I'm sitting here as an adult, I can't quite recall how I interpreted and and what I did with it in that moment. But I'm, I know for a fact that I lived most of my life completely disconnected from my emotions Completely disconnected from my intuition, and very much been ruled by the head, by the mind. Okay. And realizing that that's not the way to go about it, and it's been a it's been a long journey back to the heart. Yes. And and therein lies my medicine, you know. Realizing that so many people are having traumatic experiences yes. at early ages, disconnecting from the heart space. We have an experience mm. where, usually, at a young age, where. The heart goes, this is just too much for me to handle. It's too painful. And yeah. the mind goes, okay, I'll take over from mm. here. Yes. We shut the emotions down. Yeah. It happens It happens to all of us, but the masculine in particular. The yeah. masculine is anyway raised to believe that emotion is mm. weakness. Vulnerability yes. is weakness. Yeah. So we're already primed to go to the head. Yeah. It happens much easier for us. So being disconnected from my emotions and... And not liking myself very much for much of my life caused a massive impact in, in my own life, mm. in, in my relationships, in my in my, my, my first marriage, which ended in divorce, because I was emotionally unavailable. Yeah. And then realizing that I was searching, I was searching from, from around, I still remember from around the age of about 22, 23, when I came out of the, out of the army, searching, searching, searching for some level of peace and happiness. And I... I changed jobs numerous times. I changed relationships. I moved to Namibia to manage a game farm, Ah. from being in the corporate space. Came back into the corporate space, and I couldn't find happiness. Mm. And it took me a long time to realize that I'd been searching in all the wrong places, and that the search needs to be an inner inner search, from the inside out. It's the journey back to the heart. Yeah.
0: That 30 centimeters between the head and (laughs) the heart is the longest journey any of
1: us can travel. The longest journey will take. such a
0: treacherous journey, that
1: one. (laughs) And such an important one. Such an important one. That is is the one fight worth fighting. Yeah. the the journey back to the heart. Yeah. And you help people to do that now. Yeah. So for me, it's an ongoing journey. I'm still helping myself at some level. Mm -hmm. I've done a lot of work on myself. I've experienced many different things. And... I've realized I started out sort of my conscious path of supporting others. I started as a life coach. Okay. And life coaching and business coaching, absolutely, they have their place. There's no question about it. Yes. Um, they, they allow us to create a beautiful framework f- to help people on their, on their paths. But for me personally, and this is my own opinion, I think it's incomplete on its own. Because I think the coaching modality, at least the doesn't take us deeply enough into the subconscious conditioning, okay. which controls a lot of our thinking. Ooh. And many coaching conversations are happening at the level of the, of the body and the mind. Yeah. It neglects the deeper subconscious tra- yes. traumas. It neglects the soul.
0: I'm so glad to hear you are calling it the subconscious and not the unconscious. Because I've yeah. got such a problem with with, 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 with the new age trend to, to call mm. the subconscious the unconscious because mm. for me they, they do completely different mm. things. Mm. I'm busy reading The Road Less Traveled at the moment. Okay. Something I've never read before, which I'm kind of nearly ashamed to say. And the section I'm busy now with now is is, is, is him explaining that about five percent of what we deal with is conscious. And mm. the rest is what he calls unconscious. Mm. But before we get to, to 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 that, let's get back to Volker growing up as a christian boy
1: Mm, yes so my father through his own challenging experiences he had polio where he was paralyzed for a while and and he had he was also very much on the search and i'm after doing a bit of digging into his own upbringing well as much as i could anyway um you know doing family constellations you realize that a lot of the the traumas and the stuff, the, the burdens that we are experiencing are handed downstream yes. from our from our ancestors. So understanding what my my relationship with my father, I asked the question, well, how was he with his father? And to find out that my father met his father for the first time when he was six years old, because my grandfather was locked up in a concentration camp oh, during the war. So my father was also on a constant search for his missing father. Okay. Because of his own restlessness and and his inability to find peace, and this is my m- sort of my own assumption based on on what I experienced, not not based on a conversation he and I had, but he he, he went into religion okay. looking for answers, looking for something to to answer the questions he he held, Could and to um, with the
0: ultimate father,
1: yeah, need, exactly, yeah, exactly, and he went straight into one of these staunchest religions being a Jehovah's Witness. Oh my word! (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So there we were going to church every Tuesday, every Thursday, every Sunday, uh, going door to door every Sunday at the age of seven years old, being asked to try and preach to other people. I didn't even know what I was talking about. You know, I was too young and and they really enforce it on on you. Um, And you know, I choose not to judge other people and their religions, but I certainly formed a strong judgment based on my own experiences. Yeah. And and that is that religion, at least what my experience of it, is that it's very conditioning, it was very fear-based. And for many years I was asking the question, where's the love? Yes. Where's the love? If this, if the God that you are trying to connect me with is god then i don't want to know god because the god that i want to be connected with is the is the father he's our father and that's got to be a father of love yes and i'm not seeing the love in this place so when my father was killed um we moved to cape town and interestingly enough he gave so much of his time to that religion he was one of the elders so he gave a lot of his time to the faith And when my father was killed and my mom was left homeless with four boys because we ended up losing everything in the process. Mm -mm. That's another whole story that the government actually came and took everything away from us because with my dad being killed, his business collapsed. Oh, my God. And he had taken loans. Yeah. And everything was in his name. So my mom, being a housewife with four boys no work experience, gets left literally with a t-shirt on her back and four boys and has to now go and start working for the first time. Oh ever. my word. And the point I'm getting to is they were the only people who weren't there for her. Okay. The, the only question would be, when are you coming back to church? Not, how can we support yeah. you? Yeah. Again, the question is, where, where's the love? Where's yeah. the support? so we moved back to Cape Town um, was she Capetonian she, she was Capetonian okay. and this is where she has had her support okay. her support base so um, she very quickly realized that that wasn't the faith for her and she left the religion and went down a far more spiritual path um, which is what started influencing me okay. I started reading some of the same books she then developed a brain tumor <laughs> <laughs> I'm rolling my eyes <laughs> <laughs> kind of, okay, right. And the reason I'm mentioning that is because it was her brain tumor and me getting very bitter and twisted about it, and, and starting to ask some big questions. How old were you now when that that? Um, I was already then in my thirties. Okay. So she was in her fifties, and she had done all the hard work: raising four boys, hmm. putting us through school, uh, working two jobs, becoming an executive PA. Oh my word! And she, she yeah. you know, owning her own home once again, and, and she accomplished what needed to be accomplished. Yeah. And she, we survived. And she was just getting to that stage where she could sit back and st- and k- take a breath and start to enjoy all her hard work. Yeah. And then she gets whacked with a brain tumor. And I was, I got a bit bitter and twisted about that. And I got angry with God like, and right, I got angry yeah. with him. And I was like, this is this is not, I yeah. swore now. This is not fair. Yeah. This is just not fair. By the
0: way, you're allowed to swear. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, yeah. if you're doing your normal day to day yeah. You're all allowed to. This, we're, we're, we're explicit
1: on you. Yeah. So this is it's bullshit. Yeah, it's bullshit. So I got angry and and I asked the question why you know why why is why can life be so unfair yes. to someone who has given everything? Yeah. Why and do she, good things ha- bad things happen to good people? Yes, type of thing. Yeah. yeah. And she was a you know she had a heart of gold, and and I think <laughs> if I if I think about it that's probably what may have even contributed to her getting cancer was that she was always so giving and caring that she kept on taking on other people's stuff, you know, and that can have a massive impact. And then I started reading the books, Brandon Bay's uh, The Journey, and started reading about these miracles and how energy works. And it's amazing how all of my experiences have paved such a strong path for me. Understanding that self-loathing and self-hatred, and, and all these these feelings I had, the, the, the toxicity of them, weren't serving me or anyone else, and, and I had to find my way back to my own heart. Um, and then through reading those books, um, understanding that we are supported way beyond what, what we see in the physical world. And now really just passionately wanting to help others to find their way back to their own hearts. And um, I think also... I like to help all people, but, but I have a, I'm creating a space for the, for the masculine. Outside of what I do in general, which is for both genders, I want to start doing separate work just for the masculine okay. to help them to understand that there needs to be a marriage between the mind and the yes. heart, the inner masculine and the inner yeah. feminine. Those two need to come together in union, they need to marry each other, and they need to make, they need to make love to each other. Yeah. When the mind surrenders to the heart, and the heart informs the mind and empowers the mind, that gives birth to divine creativity, Yes. through our authentic nature, and helping men to understand that vulnerability is power, that the heart carries a lot of the power.
0: Yin-yang, balance, mm. there's this male and female in us, yes. and we need to be friend and connect with all of them. I'm also reading at the moment, strange, I don't normally read two books, but I have evening reading and morning reading, so... The Lord wrote his travels, his morning reading, the evening reading is an Afrikaans book called Mans en el Men Handle Wonder. Men Anal wounds. Mm. And the, the author started thinking about the wounds that especially Afrikaans men have, watching the Oscar Pistorius trials. Mm. So it is really interesting because I wrote my, my honest thesis in sociology was about the changing role of the man after the Industrial Revolution. Interesting. So these these all fit very close in mm-hmm. because we as men are are, are are in a way. I don't want to use the word forced because that sounds as if we don't have a choice. Well, we actually we actually don't have a choice, but we need to face that that, that feminine. Mm-hmm. It is there, mm-hmm. and we can't ignore it. Mm-hmm. And I, I I love your your term. We need to they need to make love to each other. They mm-hmm. need to kind of the the, the, the male the masculine and the the feminine Mm, so are you in any way involved in mankind
1: I've done a mankind project Okay. what was your experience of of,
0: I I haven't done it yet I I hear very good things about it what Mm. was your
1: experience beautiful for me it was a great foundation great foundation for me to explore The, the question what is it to be a man you know especially someone like myself who was raised by a woman was raised by a mom. Losing my dad at the age of eight. Yes. I never had the opportunity to lie under the car and, and get all greased stuff trying to take the engine out and, and, and do what And you're sorry about that? No, <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> I, I, I can't think of anything worse, but, but I, I get the picture. But maybe that's a bad example. But um, <laughs> I think a better example is I was never initiated into manhood. Yeah. And I think so many, not only young men, so many men out there they were never initiated. Yeah. You know, there's a rite of passage that um, your indigenous tribes yeah. are put through. That's exactly the young where man I read that book goes the on moment. the yeah. vision quest Absolutely. and he becomes a man. He, yes. he, has his, he faces his fears. Mm. He, he receives the vision. He connects with his authentic self. Well, they probably have never lost the authentic self to begin with. Yeah. They aren't as conditioned as the western societies. But um, it's, it's the initiation into manhood. And, and what it means to be a man. And I think many men, including myself, we've either been raised with absent fathers or abusive fathers. Yes. And we can't blame the father because the father can only teach what they know. They can only hand down what they were handed. Yeah. So the abused father becomes the abuser. The abandoned father starts to abandon, you know, and that's typically what we, mm. the trend we see. But I think it's critical that as young as possible, we, we start to show men, the young man, what does it mean to be a man and that they experience some kind of initiation. So Mankind Project, the the new warrior training adventure, which is the weekend that you go through, it's an initiation of sorts. Okay. It helps us to understand the the importance of having the balance. That I that I have the the, the strength to pull out my spear when I need to protect my tribe and, and to be the protector and the provider. So it's the, the masculine warrior energy but that I have access to the heart and the, the gentleness, yeah. the ability to communicate and be vulnerable. Which again comes back to the marriage of the inner masculine and feminine. It's, it's bringing those two into healthy balance. And by inner masculine, inner feminine, it's not about the inner male and the inner female. There's a difference between male, female, masculine, feminine. Okay. A female, you know. So if I talk about a man connecting with his inner, inner feminine, we're not asking the man to now go and become feminine and and, and you know put on lipstick and, yeah. and a wig. Obviously not. We're talking about energies and archetypal energies. Yes. So if you consider the, the our heart space, the the our creativity, our our ability to be compassionate yes. and to connect at the emotional level, um, even our intuition connection to our divine purpose, many of those gifts, very important gifts, yeah. are accessed through the inner feminine, it's through the inner energies of, of the gentle part of ourselves. Yes. And the inner masculine is the power of the mind, it's the intellect, it's the ability to really take, take those beautiful insights and, and the gifts that the inner feminine offers and, and to ground it into action, get it done, yeah. you know, provide, protect. And when you bring those two into balance, I think that's what helps us to become whole. Um, especially as men, yeah. as, the, as the providers and the protectors, you know. Mm. Yeah.
0: Tell me a little bit about your journey from life coaching to what you do now. Okay. So, what, yes, that's very, very me.
1: <laughs> Before we get to that, what, what got you into life coaching? What got me into life coaching? Interesting. So, <laughs> I was living in a small coastal town called Spy. Oh, yes. You may know it. Yeah. Uh, very close to Saldana. Yeah. Um, and we lived... I was married at the time. So what the hell were you doing there? <laughs> <laughs> so my, my ex-wife, she's an engineer. Okay. And she had just qualified. We were still living in Cape Town. And had one daughter at the time. I was in... Um, I was working for Vodacom. as okay. one of the account managers. One of the corporate, corporate managers. And I was... Getting to a stage where I wasn't very happy with what I was doing anymore, the money was good, my soul was dead, <laughs> and mm-hmm. there was this free spirit in me that was craving something else. You know, when you get to, when you get to Monday morning and you wish Friday was here, yeah, yeah. then you know something's wrong in your life. When you feel like
0: crying when the alarm goes <laughs> off. Yeah. I know that feeling. And
1: you're literally wishing your life away. Yeah. Oh no. Then, then, then there's a problem and yeah. it needs to be addressed. There are too many of us that become comfortable in the discomfort of it all. Yes. And um, so also the difference between a groove and a grave is the depth. Yes. <laughs> exactly. So at that stage, I was restless in my job and my ex-wife had just qualified as an engineer and she was offered a, a beautiful opportunity at Saldana Steel, oh, okay, uh, which has since cha- changed name a couple of times, but it was known as Saldana Steel at the time. So we, we moved up there, we settled in Jacobs By, lived there for seven years. At that stage, I hadn't started any of my inner work, so I was reading all the books. It's amazing how you can read the books and think you're becoming enlightened mm, Yes, and I thought I thought I knew so much reading the books, and I'd read one book and then I'd read the next one, and I'd read the next one and I was hardly applying it. any of the books <laughs> so Yeah, I did that for a long time, and um, what happened then was. Everything fell apart. I was in, I was in real estate at, uh, up the West Coast, selling properties, doing some developments, earning decent money, but again, I was unconscious. I was just living, living life, still disconnected, still internally restless, yeah. unsettled, not at peace. I eventually, after doing a lot of my inner work, I came full circle, wrote her a letter and I said to her, please don't blame yourself you did the best you could with a husband who wasn't there for you. Ah, uh, Took me a while to, to be able to say this. Yes. But when I got to that stage, realizing this was not her fault. Yeah. She did the best she could. We both did the best we could. I didn't know I was emotionally yes. disconnected. I had no clue. Because <laughs> yeah. I had nothing to reference it to. Yeah. So I thought I was doing what every man does. I thought I was in love like every man should be. And I thought everything was great until it all fell apart. We ended up getting divorced, and it was a very rough experience for for both of us. For me personally, as the man of of this of this family, we now had two daughters. My youngest was still in nappies at the time, mm. and getting divorced and having the family system taken away from me was one of the toughest things I've ever had to experience. And I've done I've done some research since then on that, and the stats show that one of the main reasons for suicide amongst men is, is the inability to deal with those, those, mm. boys, those, those yeah. empty spaces, especially for men who in the first place are not taught how to process emotion. We, it's fight and flight. Yeah. You know, we fight back, we run away, but we don't process and the stuff remains bottled up. And the only way we deal with it is by numbing the pain. We drink more beers. We, we distract ourselves yeah. in unhealthy ways. So I did that as best I could to try and deal with everything. And then because I wasn't processing the emotions and I was going through an emotional roller coaster, I made cut decisions. I I lost. I bought a restaurant. We had bought numerous properties and I spread myself extremely thin with, with the money I had and the, the market then turned and I lost everything. Mm. So in, in quite a short space of time, I lost the wife. My, I was missing my daughters terribly because I wasn't seeing them as often as I normally did. Mm. I lost my, my money. I lost my business. I lost my self-worth. I lost my self-respect. Oh, my God. You know, I lost it all. Yeah. And I, I felt worthless. I and imagine. I still remember the one day, still living in Yaakov's Bay, but now I'm living in this little two-bedroom flat on someone's property. Because we had sold the beautiful house that we had, beautiful sea views. Mm -hmm. You know, on the outside, people thought we were living the dream life. And we were the dream couple, the dream marriage with the dream children. Everyone thought we had this perfect thing going. Not realizing the turmoil going on the inside. Mm. So now I'm living in this two-bedroom little flat. And the one day I'm walking on the beach. And I'll never forget this, this beautiful, crisp winter morning fog in the air. And I'm walking on the beach and the beach is the water's like glass. And I'm feeling very sorry for myself. And I'm feeling this this pain. Even though it was all numbed out. I'm just feeling this restlessness. And reflecting on how how I've just fucked everything up. The marriage. Yeah. Poor father, poor husband, you know, business, lost all my money. What am I gonna do now? I don't know who I am anymore. And luckily I was walking on the beach if I'd been anywhere near a pub, I would have probably grabbed a beer. God. And I'm <laughs> walking on the beach. So I just kept walking. And the walking brought comforts because just, just the walking soothed. Yeah. The, the Meditative. Yeah. yeah. So I kept walking. And as I walked, the thoughts just started fading, fading, fading. And then there's this wisdom that just came from somewhere. And it's just sort of gently spoke to me and said, you're busy receiving your medicine. This is... This is your path of initiation. You are here to serve others, so you can use your experience. You can gain value from it, um, and you can use it to serve. You okay. know, if, if I'm if I'm slightly ahead of someone else who's on the same path, I have something to offer that person. Absolutely, I don't need to know it all. Yeah, as long as I'm ahead of them, I can shine some light for them. Yeah, and 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 I started getting those insights, but I still had all the work to do, and. I then asked the question, how can I start serving others? What 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 would be a good way to do it? Yeah. And then life coaching showed up on my path. And I started out by doing a, a home study course. Okay. I, I invested in a home study course. Don't ever do that, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ever do, do a home life study life longer? coaching course. <laughs> you need to have the interaction and the engagement with other people. Sitting at home with a textbook is mm. not the answer. But I, I did the life coaching course and I, Straight away, there was something missing. In, I was watching the videos and I was reading out of a textbook. And, and it wasn't just the format. The fact that I wasn't doing a live course with other people. That, that I think, is crucial. Yeah. But there was something else missing. And what was missing was I was trying to create a foundation. Or, or let's say I was trying to learn how to serve others on an empty foundation. Okay. Because I hadn't done the work. Yeah. You can only give what you have. You can only give what you have. And I I, I caught myself in that moment questioning my intentions Okay. because I had now left the property business, I had lost all my money and I needed to earn an income. So there was a part of me going, okay, so I want to help people and I need to make money. So I'm going to quickly complete this life coaching course and start earning money doing life coaching. (laughs) That was the thinking. Yeah. And I realized that it was all on a very shallow foundation, yeah. shallow intention on an empty foundation. Uh, there was a lot of wounding, a lot of stuff that still needed to be done. And I, and I knew that I had to put everything back on the shelf and I put the books back on the shelf and I stopped studying the course mm. and I made the hard decision to go back to Cape Town and to go back into corporates. Okay. Not because I wanted to, but because I needed to start creating a foundation of yeah. sorts. And not having money was causing havoc in my life, so I went back into corporates. Sorry, did you
0: feel like a failure because you stopped the course, or do you did you know that you stopped for the right reason?
1: I felt like a failure every day of my life. Oh God, okay, yeah, absolutely. I felt like a failure every day. I knew that I was starting down some path that might have answers for me, yeah. But I, I felt like a complete failure. Okay, a very low self worth, mm. self esteem, and. I managed to get back into corporates, uh, working in the insurance industry. (laughs) My soul was crying out. And I was just like, okay, this has to be done. It has to be done. And I was still drinking a couple of beers every night at the pub just to numb the pain. So still, you know, living very unconsciously. And and I think at that stage, I had slipped almost straight back into into a survival mindset. Like, I'm just going to do what I need to do to survive right now. Even though the the books were shelved for the right reason, I'm now in survival mode. And I'm just trying to earn a salary to pay the rent. And I'm having a beer every night. And what happened then was literally three months after joining this insurance industry, being based in Cape Town, the the executive director who employed me calls me in and says, we love what you're doing. We, We love what you bring to the company. I'm sending you to Joburg to specialize in projects up there. And before I can tell her that I can't go because I've got two girls in in Cape Town and well, they were now living up the West Coast. I've got two girls up the West Coast and I don't want to be away from them. Before I could open my mouth, this very shrewd executive director who's done all her homework says to me, I haven't opened my mouth. She says to me, I want to send you to, to Joburg. I know you've got two daughters living up the West Coast. I know that you're currently renting. She found all this out. So I'm asking you if you can leave next month, seeing as you don't have to sell your place. And we will fly you down every month to so go and visit your daughters. Oh, and, wow. and she just answered my, my entire reason to yeah. dig my heels in and not go. She just uh-huh. yanked away from me. To the point where I was left with nothing but to say, "Okay, I'll go." Yeah.
0: So she did her research. She so did her she research way very thoroughly. She, yeah. She Apparently was ahead. She was ahead of me every step yeah. of the
1: way. <laughs> Apparently,
0: that's why the, the the Japanese are so exceptionally good in business. Mm. I heard somewhere that they do eighty percent more research before going into negotiations than any of the competitors.
1: That makes perfect
0: sense. So she, she did her yeah, 80%, so, so she caught you. Sense. Well, it sounds as if the, the, the result was good. So yeah. where in Joba did you
1: end up? I, so, the, the, it's fascinating how... I'm not sure if, if, the, if the universe con, contrived to, to do this to me, like, strip me naked. Okay, but it only got, for me personally, it just got worse and worse and worse. So, oh. so listen to this experience, right? I've now lost everything in the previous experience yeah. and I'm feeling like pretty low in self-esteem and self-worth. And I'm feeling pretty sorry for myself. Now I'm about to get sent 1,400 kilometers away from my children. Yeah. And they were the only thing that brought me comfort still. You know, I think sometimes when we have the emptiness inside, we we fill it in in external ways. And my daughters, when they were in my presence, there was some kind of comfort, you know, to be with them. So now I'm being told, sorry, we're sending you to Joburg. So they put me up in a a guest house for a month. And they told me I have a month to find my own place to, to live. So I'm in a guest house. The last, during that month, I find a beautiful place to stay. The day that I'm moving out of the guest house, the Sunday. Yeah. I get told the day before on the Saturday, I get told, sorry, this whole thing's fallen through. You don't have a place to stay anymore. So there was some loophole in our agreement and suddenly I don't have a place to stay anymore and I've got to be out of the guest house the next day. So I spend the Sunday searching through the local newspaper and I've got hours. Fixed Sunday time supplement. Yes. <laughs> and I don't even know Joburg. Yeah. I literally just looked at, where's my place of employment? And I drew a circle, a, a radius around yeah. how far am I willing to travel every day to get to work? And I, and I just looked, okay, within that radius, I need to find a place. Long story short, I found the one place that no one else wanted. And, and I was desperate, so I took it. And it was in Greenside which is a beautiful area of Jo'burg. Mm. But now there's this beautiful big house, an old house, owned by a beautiful elderly couple. And they had taken what, what must have been an attic of sorts, down to the very bottom, <laughs> down the heike on Okay. And they converted that into this little bachelor room. It literally had a bed on bricks. I kid you not. The bed was on bricks. And there were, you know, when the springs are like starting to show through the mattress. Yeah and right next to the bed is a little coffee table and then the basin is right next to that and the toilet the toilet's like right next to that oh my god it was one of those places one little window dark and dingy god it sounds awful and 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 I didn't have extra money to extend my stay in the guest house I've got to move so I took the place and I remember the reason I'm sharing that is because that's where I hit the lowest point in my life okay I remember sitting on this bed on bricks in Joburg, in this dark room, with my life having fallen apart, feeling empty inside, and being far removed from family, daughters, and the friends that I had. And I've never felt as alone, and isolated, and hopeless in my life, like being in a dark hole. Mm. And I must mention this. Up until that point... When I heard about people who had committed suicide or had thought about committing suicide, I used to have a judgment towards yeah. that because I didn't understand it. And I would judge them and go, jeepers, surely there's got to be some other thing yeah. you would do than end your life. There are so many choices and options. Yes. Why would someone do that? Until I found myself mm. there. We have to be there before we can really I found that, myself huh? there and it was so dark. It was so dark, I didn't know how to deal with it. Mm. And if it wasn't for my daughters, I don't know what I would have done. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I reached the point of wanting to end my life. Yeah. But it was a very uncomfortable space to the point where I sat on this bed on bricks and the walls were caving in on me. Mm. And I would, for this first few nights, I was walking the streets of Joburg at midnight just because I couldn't sit in that room. I was walking randomly. I didn't give a shit how safe it was where I was. I just walked... With tears running down my face, just walking randomly in Roerburg, trying to find some level of peace, and I couldn't find it. Oh. And then I remember the one night sitting on on the, on the bed, and I prayed, and I just prayed. And and At that stage, not not religious. I'm not praying to, not praying to the God that the Jehovah's Witnesses taught me out of their version of the Bible. Wow. I'm praying to this universe, this expansive universe that I had. All but forgotten about, and I just prayed and I said, I, "If ever I need help, it's now. I need, I need a miracle. I need, yeah. I need support. I just need something. I need to know that that you guys are there for me." And I just, I don't recall the conversation. And the next day, it showed up. The next day, I randomly receive a message from my brother in Cape Town, and he tells me that there's this Israeli woman in in Joburg somewhere. He didn't even know where she was. Somewhere in Joburg, this woman that he's been referred to. Who's apparently a brilliant healer and she's psychic and she's very powerful and um, she's coming to Cape Town and he's going to go and see her when she's in Cape Town. So I just happened to Google her. She lived five minutes away from me (laughs) and I went to go and see her and she she became my first spiritual teacher. Oh cool. And she she sent me on my journey of the the inner journey back to my heart. She started that journey for me back to the heart
0: amazing how long ago were we talking about
1: uh that was 2009 okay so 10 years ago yeah oh cool 2009 for most of that year yeah and what (laughs) does when i when i first went to go and see her even my intentions i'd asked for help and the help suddenly showed up And, and my intentions were also a little bit shallow because i i want i heard that you were psychic and I I didn't want to be in Joburg so I was going to go and say please tell me like look at your cards or whatever you do and tell me when can I go back to Cape Town and I went and sat in front of her and she started doing this reading for me and I said to her okay so she said to me do you have any questions and I said yes I want to know when I can go back to Cape Town and she looked at me and said that's the wrong question (laughs) 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 And I started disliking her. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> bitch. <laughs> yeah, bitch. She, she said to me, that's the wrong question. The question isn't, when are you going back to Cape Town? You're, the question is, why are you in Joburg? Ah. And when you can answer that, you might be ready to go back to Cape Town. Okay. And she ended up she being a very wise lessons. very wise teacher. She didn't sit there with a crystal ball telling me what I wanted to hear. Yeah. She became a very, very influential teacher in my life. Helping me to learn the lessons. Oh, cool. To the point where I I chose even to not move out of my room. When I had the money to do so, I chose to stay there. In that room on bricks. In that bedroom. I stayed there. Voluntarily. <laughs> I have a picture of a monk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then... Oh, my word. And then I got to a point where I accepted being in Joburg. And I, sur- I found a place of surrender. I started... I stopped resisting. Stopped fighting. I stopped fighting and I started surrendering into myself, oh. into myself, into myself and the more I surrendered, when I got to the point where I felt like it was a, it was a K2B in Joburg and this is another another miracle that, that I experienced. Can I keep talking? I'm like, I'm like rambling on you. <laughs> <onion. laughs> so, I mean, oh, go for it. <laughs> so, so I reached a point where I was happy to be in Joburg and, I, and I'm, I remember the one night this was a Thursday night I'm sitting on my bed on bricks I'd been there for like eight months already and I chose to stay there and I was peaceful it doesn't bother me I was happy there and I sat there on this bed and I had another conversation another one of those big conversations with spirit and I said just a second
0: You was again I wish we had video because with the position he takes is kind of the meditative position with, with, with closed eyes. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I can see you. Yeah. It's beautiful. Okay, sorry, continue. So, so visually, that was really impressive to watch. Thank
1: you. Thank you. So I'm sitting there having another conversation with Spirit, one of the big ones. And I said to Spirit, okay, this is the first time that I can honestly say I'm okay being an androbic now i want to understand why i'm in Joburg, and if if there's a reason for me to be here i'll happily st- i'll happily stay here okay i'm i'm now ready to serve and i'm, I'm ready to show up and i'm ready to keep doing the work I, I started doing the inner work i was going to vision quests and i was doing all kinds of of, of pretty radical things uh for me it was radical at that stage now it's common common practice <laughs> baby 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 stuff <laughs> and um and I asked the question: Show me why, why I'm here. Because at that stage, I was still in corporates. I was doing uh, doing very much a corporate job. How was that going? It, it, I was I was coping with the the job because I was doing a lot of my the, the, what I love to do the coaching the coaching work. Because by now I I went back to the online course and I carried on studying okay. it. Because I was now doing the inner work and it felt like I'd reached a point where I could start doing that again. So I started doing the coaching work with my teams. Okay. The staff that rep- I, had, I had teams that reported to me in Cape Town and in Joburg, two divisions that reported to me. And I was empowering the managers, I was empowering the staff. So even though I was very much in, a, in an operational capacity, uh, which is not aligned with, with what I enjoy doing at yeah. all, but I found fulfillment by empowering the people. Okay. In that role and that kept me going so it was kept me going cool yep and but now but now now I'm asking okay so what now where, where to from here and I had the conversation with spirit and I said if I am meant to be here show me why otherwise I'd like to go back to Cape Town yeah and I'm just now. I'm just awaiting guidance and I'm awaiting some kind of sign that was on a Thursday evening on the Saturday two days later the, one, of, one of the friends I had in Joburg, he was a very good friend of mine that I knew from school in Cape Town, who had also moved to Joburg, and we stayed connected. He invited me to his cousin's 40th birthday party. I didn't know his cousin from a bar of soap. So at this party, which was held on a big small holding just outside Joburg, there were 200 people there. Mm. There were live bands playing and big bonfires. It was a quite, a, quite a big party. And at this party of 200 people, I knew three people Bobby and two other friends so at some point in the evening I got separated from, from my friends and I'm just cruising around from your safety net <laughs> from my <our> safety <laughs> net I'm cruising around with a beer and I'm just sort of enjoying myself and checking out the scene and just, just checking everything out and I'll never forget this gorgeous 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 young lady she must have been in a, in a I would say maybe her mid-thirties or early thirties
0: how old are you now Um, at that stage
1: I am now in my late 30s okay where are we now 2009 10 years ago yeah so I'm about yeah 37 okay yeah this gorgeous young lady came walking towards me and and the reason she stood out was because she she was beautiful and she had a whiskey tumbler in her one hand with whiskey in it and she had a cigar in the other (laughs) and I was like And I'm thinking, you do not see that every day. Yeah. So she catches my eye and she comes walking straight past me, and I happen to engage in a conversation with her. Just a very random one. Um, You know, and
0: I commented. So, what's a nice girl like you doing in a place like this? With a cigar. With a a whiskey and a cigar. And a (laughs) a whiskey tumbler.
1: And I commented on it and ended up having a sip of a whiskey and a drag of a cigar. (laughs) And then we chatted. And then she stopped speaking. In the middle of a sentence, she just stopped and she looked into my soul through my eyes. You know, when someone looks at you, but you can see they're almost looking very deeply into oh, you. It's
0: such an uncomfortable feeling.
1: Yeah. She looked at me and she put her hand on my arm. And she said to me, after a pause, she said to me, your mom, who I know has passed on, is asking me to give you a message and to tell you that you need to get back to the ocean because your girls need you. Oh my word. And this is a complete stranger at a party who I've never met in my life before who didn't know that my mom had passed on. She didn't know that I had girls in Cape Town. She didn't say Cape Town. She said, sorry, her words were, your mom wants me to tell you that you need to get back to the ocean Ah. because your girls need you. Those were her exact words. And I caught up with Bobby later and I was like Bobby there was this woman and and he said yeah apparently it's a friend of his cousins who's very powerfully psychic and, and they all sort of know who she is and that was two days after me asking Spirit for a sign what happened then was within that month my division was taken over by a new general manager this was now my, my boss yeah. was, was replaced with a different boss and he sat me down and said to me Okay, I've been in my position now for almost a year and he, he knows that I that I'm getting itchy feet. He heard via the grapevine. What do I want? Because he doesn't want to lo- lose me. And I said, I want to go back to Cape Town and he said, Done. You're on the next flight next month, you're yeah. down to Cape Town. And I was I was in Cape Town a month <laughs> later. Oh wow. So so things started happening. The more the more I surrendered into myself, the more I did the inner work, the more I chose to go into my own shadow the more things started lining up yeah. and flowing and there was synchronicity and the support and the help all started showing up. And then I was doing, I was doing like I said, vision quests in Joburg. And then I went, sorry, um, I was doing sweat lodges in Joburg, went to Cape Town and did a vision quest. And then I was doing family constellations. And it was during my first family constellation Uh, with Tanya Mayberg, who's very well-known in in Cape Town with with constellation work. In fact, Tanya and I did three one-on-one constellations, which didn't go anywhere. And she's brilliant at what she does. Okay, She's great at what she does. And we're doing one-on-one constellations. They they use dolls and they use papers and and other things as representatives instead of people. After the third one-on-one session, she looks at me and says... I cannot get you out of your head, oh my word. will you please come to one of the group sessions? yes, yeah. which I had been resisting all along <laughs> because I knew I knew the group the group session was daunting and I, yeah. and I was resisting it and at that stage, after three sessions with Tanya not going anywhere and, and needing a breakthrough, I mean the, 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 it's multiple layers. I've just now spent nine months in Joburg working, working working yeah. through, but there's this massive breakthrough that I still haven't yet experienced. And I went and did her group session. And within, within half an hour, I was in, abs- I was, I was in tears. Mm. I was bawling my eyes out. Awesome. First time I can remember crying in many, many, many years. And that was the big breakthrough back into the emotional space. In that constellation, what, what we did was we had two different versions of me represented. There was the adult me. And there was the child, Ah. the child me, both represented by two different people in this constellation field. And I'll never forget this little guy. Well, it's a man representing the little me stomping across the room up to the adult me in his face, shouting, I am not a murderer. I'm a little boy who lost his father. Oh, my word. And that just hit me. Mm. It hit me. And I just... That was it. Yeah. I was in, I was, I oh, was in wow. tears because it resonated so strongly what I was carrying, yeah. you know, what I'd been carrying all those years, the wounding of the inner child. Mm. So constellation work was very influential in my own healing. Okay. And through my experiences, you know, doing the vision quests, the healing I got from nature, the healing I got from the constellation work, the, the sweat lodges, um, breath work, all these different experiences have not only helped with my transformation, they have given me tools that I now use to, to serve others. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah.
0: Now we get to where we were a while ago where I asked about the ceremonies. These, what are they? Am I correct? Ceremonies. Ceremonies. Yes. Yes. Okay. I received receive Volker's emails and one part is the family constellation, which I'm very interested in. Mm. And the other part are the ceremonies that I don't know what they are at all. So
1: explain yourself, young man. <laughs> <laughs> I shall do so. So, so the ceremonies that, that we do, we are offering a range of different offerings. But, but the, the ceremony, the official kind of ceremony, actually involves a teacher plant.
0: Known a what? As
1: a teacher plant, a plant, a plant medicine plant. Okay. Known as San Pedro. Okay. So, on my healing journey, I I have experienced a number of ayahuasca journeys. Are you, are you familiar with ayahuasca? Is ayahuasca the death ceremony? You can have a death experience okay. in ayahuasca, but not necessarily. Okay. Cool. I understand the, it as, as it's one day. of the possi- possible okay. experiences you'll you'll cool. experience. If if you if a part of you needs to die, if the old you needs to die. And that is your intention for a ceremony. Then that's what you okay, experience. Cool. Um, but it's not necessarily not necessarily. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Not not everyone has the death experience. So both ayahuasca and Saint Pedro, similar to ibogaine and psilocybin, all plant medicines that have their own spirit energies and they bring their own teachings and their own healings, and they heal on the physical, the emotional, and the spiritual levels, and. I first came across plant medicines on my own healing journey doing ayahuasca. Cool. And typically what we would do is we would do three consecutive days of ayahuasca. And then on the fourth day, we would be served San Pedro, which is a cactus. Ayahuasca okay. is a vine. It's, um, it's a feminine energy. She's represented by the serpent. And, and she brings what you could maybe call the, the tough love. Okay. You know, she she she's not shy to bring your shadow up, okay. and have you do the hard work. Not always. Everyone has their own experience, but but you can you can have quite an intense experience with ayahuasca. Also, very hallucinogenic, so you can see a lot of visions. And it was through those experiences that I did some of my deeper, deeper healing. Okay. The stuff that I didn't even know was still there. And then I came across this medicine, San Pedro, which is a cactus. It grows in the sunlight. It's a gentle very much a heart-opening medicine represented by the masculine. But it's the grandfather. You can imagine a grandfather advising a young child. Strong, but gentle. Okay. Uh, St. Pedro always had this incredible ability to, to help me integrate the ayahuasca that I, that I had just done the nights before. When I'd wake up on the, on the Sunday and I've, I've had these intense ayahuasca experiences, deep healing, deep transformation, intense. But there's still a lot of stuff floating around my mind and visions I had that I haven't been able to make sense of and all this stuff going on. And then we do this in Pedro. And this light, this heart-opening medicine just brings the wisdom and, and the grounding. Okay. And it's a medicine that takes you inward doesn't take you out into any kind of hallucination it takes you inward and for someone like me that's always been very much in the head to have a medicine that helps me connect to the heart is very very Mm -hmm. valuable so after doing many 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 of these journeys and experiences I developed a strong relationship with with St. Pedro and initially I used it as for myself as a medicine I started taking myself through my own journeys It's it's a beautiful medicine to do during the daytime out in nature. It connects you very much to to nature, whereas ayahuasca is more something that you would do in the evenings. Uh, Typically, we would lie down, eyes closed, and it's a very introspective inner journey. San Pedro, it connects you to the oneness of of all things. So it connects you to your own authenticity. It helps you to... it, It eases you through the illusions of how we see the world. You know, we have these filters, right? Through our conditioning, through our wounding. Our reality is unique because it's linked to our conditioning. The glasses we look through. The glasses we look through, the lens we look through. And what St. Pedro does is it helps us to transcend that. So all the fault that I see in the world, the faults I see in myself, the faults I see in others, it helps us to see that no one has faults everyone has wounds okay and the judgments ease into understanding and we start to understand when that person's hurting me when they're screwing everything up when I'm screwing everything up we're all doing the best we can with what we've got and it helps to to really stop judging ourselves and it's it helps us with soul retrieval calling back the lost parts of ourselves the lost parts of, of me connecting to to who I really am okay you know Beyond the false self-construct. Yeah. And so it's a medicine that has not only transformed me or helped me to open my heart, but we now use it in ceremony to help others. Okay. And at a typical ceremony, we would start off by serving the, the San Pedro. Um, what we do is we are using the outer um, green skin that is being cooked in the form of a tea. We extract mescaline which is the psychoactive ingredient um, and that would be then consumed in the form of a tea. It's settled into the body, open, opens up the heart. We then do an hour of yoga which uh, my wife Juanita facilitates and she selects a very specific yoga sequence that opens up the parts of the body where we hold on to okay. the suppressed emotion where we mm. store the stuff, especially in the hips where we store a lot of our yeah. stuff. We start to open those areas up. And we then go out into nature and we spend it's like a mini vision quest everyone goes out they find their own spot in nature they connect with the medicine and the medicine helps them to connect with nature and you start to see symbolism and meaning and and you take a lot of guidance through the symbolism that the medicine is helping you to to see through nature it can be in a leaf it can be in a butterfly it can be in a in a a cloud serving your intention bringing you And do you have people holding space for those people too? So we are holding the space, myself and Juanita are are holding the space for the ceremony. Once we've connected out in nature for for a few hours, we will then share fruit lunch. And then we, we have a friend who plays the most incredible medicine music. And his music is also channeled by the medicine plants, by the plant medicines. So... The the resonance that his music vibrates at is so finely attuned to the energy that we're experiencing that people's hearts just open even further. And we often have people breaking down emotionally, connecting to the emotions, breaking down while my friend is playing his music. And then we go into an hour of conscious breath work, which is very similar to holotropic. So it's a strong connected breath and happen. we're breathing like that for a full hour mm. to, a, to a guided uh, playlist on San Pedro mm. that's a very deep experience and we've often encountered people who have arrived there similar to how I was you know emotionally disconnected wanting answers not knowing how to get them yeah. and they just break open they crack open because mm. it's such a beautiful combination yeah. the, this, the medicine now is already softening you And giving you access to your heart space. And then the breath work just breathe through that through that crack. And you find people Mm. breaking open and and having those breakthroughs. So it's it's a very powerful experience. And we have witnessed many miracles in this space. So we are blessed to be able to hold to hold that space. Cool. Yeah.
0: No, 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 (laughs) no. So let's end with how would you define your spirituality, your sense of spirit at the moment. Do you still still speak to the spirit?
1: Yes, yes. I think my understanding of it is that I used to speak to a spirit above me up there somewhere in the universe. And I've realized for myself personally that that's incomplete because that spirit is within me. And if I only engage a spirit that's up there somewhere, I am disconnecting from the same spirit that is part of me. Yeah. And that's part of who I am. Um, and I also, you know, I, I have this, my own understanding, the difference between the soul and the spirit is that the soul is the part of God that lives in me. And the spirit is the me that lives in God. Okay. And... So when I connect with spirit, I'm connecting with the spirit that is in this infinite universe or multiverse that's all around mm. us, and I'm connecting with that same spirit that lives within me, and not neglecting or negating that I am God. Okay. And we are all God. Yeah. How I like to keep that alive and to keep working with it and bring that medicine to others, and, and maybe this is how I define my divine purpose, is, is that I'm on a mission to continue strengthening my connection to my my body, my mind, my heart, my soul, my spirit. They all need to come together and and be connected with as a as a form of wholeness. Yeah. And for me to experience that wholeness by not neglecting the one for the other. I spent in other words, what what I what I did for many years of my life, I I was on a mission to find love and light. And anything in my life that I judged as not serving love and light, I would reject or I would suppress or I would lock away in some form or another. And by doing that, you'll never find love and light. So for me, it's about including everything. It's about including my light, including my shadow. It's about connecting to not seeing my mind as less significant than my heart. Mm. Or my spirit is more significant than my soul. Okay. It's it's everything in equality yeah. and loving everything equally and and working towards wholeness. For me, that's spirituality. Awesome. Yeah.
0: Fantastic.
1: That's a perfect way to end this.
0: Walker, thank you so very much. Thank you very much. I love it's this. Been, it's this been awesome. wonderful.
1: Yeah, <laughs> cool. Thank you very much. Thanks. So much. And hopefully
0: I shall see you at a family constellation session I look
1: I look forward to it. <laughs> I look forward to it. Thanks. <laughs>
0: I honestly feel as if I have made a new friend. Volker's warmth and willingness to make himself vulnerable to help others made me feel very connected to him and welcome in his space. I indeed felt so comfortable and inspired that I have signed up for his Family Constellation workshop in Haute Bay on 10 August. I hope to see you there too. Go look at his website and sign up, I am very excited. If you want to know more about what I do, please feel free to connect with me on my website, which is www.freddy.org.za, or find me on Facebook at either Meet Me in the Field or Freddy Counselor or on Twitter at, at Freddy, or Instagram at Freddy Counselor. Remember that Freddy is always spelt with an I-E at the end. I want to thank Volker for his time and energy in talking to Meet Me in the Field. Thank you for listening. Be safe. Bye.